this is Tanya Lynn with the Sistership Circle podcast. From spirituality, sexuality, and sisterhood to business, relationships, contribution, and creativity, the Sistership Circle podcast introduces a new model of feminine leadership where women get real and vulnerable about it all. Tune in for authentic advice that will empower you to be bold, beautiful, and brilliant as your true self. are live. This is Tanya Lynn with Sistership Circle and I'm so excited for today's conversation. Yes, I've got Auntie Boyd with me today and I got to tell you this woman and I connected a few years back and I had no idea that she would become one of my closest sisters today and she has just been through so much with me over the past year, my goodness, it's been a year uh, that we've been circling together in San Diego and um, she's just showed up for me so big time. And, you know, what I love about Antia is she is someone who's really, really committed to growth, um, very, very accountable for being congruent with her word and um, just such a beautiful space holder and has been such a great sister to me. And, um, you know, the work that she does in the world of helping women to attract and maintain a relationship with a man is just so powerful. And so I wanted to bring her to not only share her expertise, but her, sto- her, her experience, her story, because she's just been through so much. And, um, you know, coming to America from Germany and just there, there's just so much that she has to offer. So, Auntie, I'm so excited for you to be here. Thank you. And I'd love for you to just start off with sharing a little bit about your story. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Tanya. I'm so delighted to be here. So, yeah, so for me, everything started, like Tanya said, in, in case you can't detect from my accent in Eastern Germany, where I grew up to an emotionally absent mother. And, you know, for one reason or another, she was just not able to show her emotions, like meaning hugs, affection, or words of affirmation, like none of that was really common in our household. And so as a consequence, what we do is we would develop coping mechanisms, right? Because the pain was so big, um, that, you know, I remember one day I went to crawl into my mom's bed. I must have been about 18 months old. So, Tanya, you can really relate to that because your babes are, you know, in that age range. And she just rolled over and said, don't bother me. And so in that moment, I knew unconsciously that I wasn't safe and that what I desired to have, my feminine light and expression, was not welcomed was not safe to be expressed. And so I made sure that I don't need anyone and I don't need to bother anyone for anything. So I became misindependent and went grocery shopping by the time I was eight years old by myself. And it just basically was like kind of like on my own. And actually, you know what? The sad part was I prided myself in it. I really thought like all my classmates, oh, it's such like mommy and, and, and daddy daughters and, you know, um, they don't really know what it means to be, you know, grown up and to be mature. And and so I think that was definitely one of my blind spots was that I was carrying that with pride. And, you know, unfortunately, it translated to me attracting a lot of emotionally unavailable men 
into my life because, look, I was incongruent inside of myself. And so I attracted men into my life who were also incongruent in their life. That makes a lot of sense. We do live in a mirroring universe. However, back then, I didn't know that. So I just went from being really excited and he's the man of my dreams and it's going to be the one to completely crashing, just literally overnight, no warning whatsoever. And I just ended up being feeling devastated and feeling rejected, feeling abandoned. And honestly, like wondering, what is wrong with me? Because I tried this several times. And so now as a good German, I told myself, you know, maybe you should just look at this from an academic angle. And so got myself out of Germany into UC Berkeley and studied personality psychology. And I said, okay, well, everybody has different personalities. And along the way, really found out why the dysfunctional dynamic I had with my mother directly translated into the dysfunctional dynamic I had with men. Because I did not necessarily make that connection on a logical level. And I understood attachment styles, right? How our relationship to our caregiver translates also to the dynamic and to the response giving that we have towards our lovers, our partners, our romances. And so that's when I, you know, really started to turn a corner, um, also started to study a lot of other things like masculine, feminine dynamics. I mean, you name it, I did it. I did every workshop you could possibly think of. <laughs> and Tanya knows that I'm very, very committed. And my friends used to joke, they're like, oh, where can you find Auntie on the weekends? In a seminar. Like you would not find me in a bar or a restaurant or a club, you know. I was just absorbing everything. So anyways, long story short, I helped a lot of women in their 30s, 40s, 50s, it didn't really matter. And if they were attracted to right men into their life, I did little workshops, little support groups. But unfortunately, it was still not happening for me. And I think that was like my, my biggest aha moment because I was like, how can I have all the tools and the formula and the method that works? You know, I worked so many women down the aisle. I was the maid of honor, but yet for some reason, it wasn't applicable to me. And that's when I had to humble myself. Remember, I was so priding myself that I didn't need anyone. So I need to kind of get off that horse of pride and say, okay, maybe I need help. Maybe I, that's actually something I can't figure out. And it was hard, you know, to say, well, why would I hire a mentor? I know everything. I cannot imagine that anybody knows more than me because uh, <laughs> I knew everything on an intellectual level and I thought that was all there is to know, right? And uh, that really turned a corner for me, was really hiring my mentor, learning how to, how to be vulnerable, what we're going to be talking about today, to be authentic and to set boundaries without guilt. And that really helped me to become very congruent inside of myself, attract my man within a couple of months, really, and because, remember, we live in a mirroring universe, because I now was congruent to myself, he also was so congruent that he told me the first night that we met that I'm the girl of his story. Oh, Brody. So amazing. Oh, you know, I, the just wanna, <laughs> I just want to share with everyone listening that it, now you said something really important there that, you know, you, you realized that you needed help. Mm-hmm. because you were always so independent, right? And then that also goes towards that you were probably being too independent 
So you never allowed a man to contribute to you, right? Mm-hmm. And oh, so I just want to share kind of behind the scenes here of we're getting ready to go live um, with this interview. And there's Brody totally setting uh, up Antia's camera and her audio and making sure everything is good and working. And, and I'm like, oh, my God, what an amazing man. You know, he's so supporting you. But it really just goes to show that how far you've come of being able to receive his support, his love, his help, his contribution. And that is such a big thing that gets in the way of women having the relationship that they want. Mm, yeah, that's, that's such a good point. And you know what I hear so often, Tanya, is, well, I need to attract a masculine man first and then I become feminine. I'm like, girlfriend, that's not how it works. Yeah. I had to let down my guards first, right? So um, there's a guy who studied lobsters and he actually – found out that a woman, a, a female lobster, not a woman lobster, but a female lobster before she mates, like she lets her, she breaks open her shell, like she lets go of her shell. Mm. And then after she's being fertilized, she like the heart, uh, heart, the shell hardens again. And I think that really drives home that point that can you imagine the female lobster would say, well, first you have to be masculine and then I'm going to let down my shell. But yeah. the, the male lobster looks actually for that, right? Like who has like that soft part and who has, let down their shell first, and then he picks. So I thought that was like really, really interesting. And so much relates to how it works, right? It doesn't work that way. You can't say you're saying you're masculine in control and you're not being vulnerable until the man is being vulnerable, until the man shows you that he can hold it. It doesn't work that way. That is such a great analogy. That is one of the coolest analogies I've ever heard. So thank you for sharing that. And I just want to presence everyone, whether you are single or whether you're currently in a relationship, um, that this is such an important part, a, a point that, you know, so many times we're wanting our men to show up differently. If you're mm -hmm. single, you're wanting a man to come into your life. If you're in relationship, you're like, why doesn't my man help me with anything, you know, and all this. And so it goes in both places where we can all soften to have the men in our lives show up for us for the first time or if we've been in relationship for years. So I just want to point that out. And if you are someone who is struggling with that, please leave a comment because we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and just and just share that because um, I think, you know, that's that's an important thing to call yourself out on. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. And the, the biggest thing what I see, Tanya, is, is really that fear of losing control. Um, that's that's the number one thing, the wanting to be right and, and and not being willing to be wrong. And one thing I always say, women always say, well, how do I know when I'm ready? And I said, well, well, how willing are you to be wrong? That shows you how ready you are for relationship. Right. Because, you know, relationship is not about who's right, who's wrong. But I was telling Brody about this. It's really a dynamic. It's not you did this and I did this. And it's like, no, what field are you guys creating together? You're both co-creating this together, right? So at some point, you're both going to be wrong or right. Or, you know, we don't even use those words. Mm. Like we're really trying to find different labels even that are not so combative. And so um, what's, what's the other word? Competitive almost, you know, that's what we really see. That so many women are competing with their man. Oh my God, that is such a big one for me in my relationship. 
so many mm-hmm. times just um it's a it's a tip for tat you know who's right who's wrong and we have to constantly be calling ourselves out and i love that practice of actually renaming that um and to start to uh practice you know getting rid of being right and wrong in the relationship um what other you know and what you're mentioning is things that you two are doing to create your your field Mm-hmm. What's another practice that you and Brody have in your relationship to create that harmonious partnership? Because essentially that's what you're doing. You go yeah. beyond relationship into partnership. So can you share a little bit? Uh, yeah, there's so many. You know, I feel like we really have this like in a way model relationship because we're we're checking in with our archetypes, right? So like every man and every woman has certain archetypes, you know, that's like the warrior or the worker archetype and there's the more soft archetype and as a wild archetype. So there's different parts of us. And, and what we make sure is like about every week, more or less, we're really working on checking in every week. We really see where are those archetypes? You know, how much pleasure have you felt this week or how much purpose have you lived this week or how much are you just like being playful or, or being like animalistic, just letting go, forgetting that you're human and you can just be and you don't have to hold yourself together. And, and really, that's definitely one. And we always say, you know, so on a scale of one to 10, where you're at with that part. And then, so let's say I say, you know, like today, you know, with my wild woman, I'm like level six, then Brody would say, well, what would it take to like, you know, I mean, 10 is like, you know, really big, but you know, even like to an eight or nine, like what would it take? And, and so we really see and we're constantly rebalancing. It's like this plane that's like, I think 80% of the time they're off course. It's the game name of the game is really getting back on course, recalibrating every week, you know, because there's different stressors coming into our life or there's different relationships or there's different patterns that come out that bring out different patterns inside of us so i think a big big aha moment for us was that not every week is the same i mean tanya you know that even like four times a month we women are in different cycles like the moon is in different cycles right so so there's so many reasons to really do this on a weekly basis and um usually by now we can intuit it but sometimes i'm still surprised and i'm learning Wow, I didn't, I wasn't aware that your king didn't feel so purposeful this week, right? That you were more on your worry and you were just working, working, working. And I think the biggest thing for us is to hold each other accountable to that. To really say, hey, you said this week you want to play more, go. I'll take care of the business or I'll do this or that. And you just, you do what you need to do, right? Yeah. To balance those parts inside of yourself again. So what I'm hearing in this practice, and so I'd love for you to actually share what the archetypes are for those mm-hmm. women who are like, what archetypes? Um, so what I'm hearing is this conscious check-in versus making the assumption, right? And while you might be more and more getting to know your partner and intuitively being able to see, you're doing yeah. this conscious check-ins around these four archetypes to see where you are and how to relate to each other in terms of these four archetypes. I also hear a strong level of accountability yeah. to be who you both want to be as individuals in the relationship and to be your highest self. And I think that that is so powerful and why I'm highlighting that because so many times we get so stuck in just the mundane, you know, I'm very much in this all the time of like, we're just trying to survive sometimes on a daily basis. 
Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it can feel like a lot of effort to put in conscious awareness and check-ins and all that. But what I've noticed is when we do, um, can you share what those four archetypes are and what, um, what each one would be related to? So I heard king and queen related to your purpose, right? So go ahead. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so king and queen is really, it's like, yeah, they're overseeing the kingdom, right? So how is life overall, right? And also like future plans too. And then there's this part of us that's more like the priestess or the wise woman, right? When for the man, it's called the, uh, the magician. And that's the part that's really more reads books about different dimensions and listens to their down, downloads, right? And to their instincts and, and what they can learn. So for Brody, I know it's, it's reading books. So when he reads books, he's, he's in his magician. He's happy. He's learning. So I feel like for me, okay, the magician equals learning. So when a man is learning, growing through intellectual stimulation, that somehow is the magician. And, and I feel it's a little bit different than for, for the woman, because I feel for the woman, for me, it's much more about doing rituals, yeah. right? Doing my sacred rituals that brings me back. Okay. I'm feeling more aligned with my higher self that you talked about. Right. Um, and then the third part is of course the inner boy and the inner girl really important. Right. So I have like my little magic wand here, you know, so like <laughs> to, to have like a little, Something playful, something that you can bring into the relationship or, you know, uh, we went to Disney on ice last weekend, yeah. like that, right? And and not just that we go there, but really thinking, okay, who's your favorite princess and who's your favorite prince? And we watched all the little girls dance around and just really fully, like, engage into that experience and remembering, gosh, do you remember when you were four, you know, like, how excited would you be, right? Like, to be in first row, Disney on ice. Elsa looks at you. Um, So, and I feel that's actually where a lot of women are afraid to go into because they need to be so competent or or they had a very painful experience like me. And every time when they were going into their light, so to say, like with me, when I was singing, when I was dancing, my mom would always say, oh, not you again, right? And so I think um, that is like so important to go into and really to find a partner who supports that. Because I really will tell you, Tanya, that Brody's the first man who supports that, like who really loves that. When I go into his room and I just say, yippee, and then I just go back into my room. It's just like this little spontaneous outburst of joy. And that's it. It doesn't have to take long. It doesn't have to like go on forever. But it's just I let my light shine and now I go back to work. And uh, <laughs> so let's see. And then we'll have um, the wild the wild part of, part of us, the wild woman, the wild man. And that's what I said before. And that's why I brought the lobster, like just really more the animal part inside of us, right? And, and Brody just did a wild man video uh, for for wild women. It's, it's about like letting go of all the boundaries. I think we women set up so many boundaries and so much structure for ourselves. And how much do you just allow ourselves to let go? You know, like to just be like, don't think about anything and just be scream, dance, jump, you know, whatever. <laughs> I did one workshop where I was literally um, the, the lioness. Right. And so they were holding space for me to be this lioness until I didn't have a voice anymore. And then I turned into a snake because I had to do that, you know, because the voice was gone. So I could only do. But I think that's really important, too, um, to check in with those parts, because especially for the wild man. 
that part is actually the most masculine mm. in men. And so when we women are, and I have so much to say about that, but when we women are afraid of that part in a man, because there's this whole movement now, I won't get into all the details, but there is this whole thing like don't overstep boundaries and fear of abuse and this and that. And I feel like in, a, in that process, the wild man is being made wrong. And I feel like, gosh, the wild man can protect me. Like if that intruder would come in, the wild man would kill, right? Yeah. Because so and I feel safe with my man because he has the strong wild man. So to really see that, yeah, the wild man can be used for abuse, but the wild man can also be used for protection and for us feeling extremely safe yeah. as women and softening more. So those are those are the four archetypes. Amazing. And if you're watching this, go ahead and leave a comment and, and share with us which one feels the most edgy or challenging for you. Is it to be in your queen, your priestess, your little girl, your maiden, or your um, your wild woman? So go ahead and post that. We'd love to hear from you. And yeah. yeah, that's so, thank you for sharing that. I think that's just such a beautiful practice and um and it just shows just the capacity that you both have and just the work that you've done. And oh, I just love it. Um, earlier, you were talking about attachment theory. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to actually circle back to that and have you share a little bit about the different. Some of us think about attachment parenting style. And there's actually how you show up in relationship. And I think this could be helpful for women who are either um, trying to find their man or are currently in relationship and things are kind of a little, you know, a little rocky. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about the attachment? And I'm so happy to do that, Tanya, because when I watch dating shows and I see other experts, I always see that awareness is not there. Right. That yeah. awareness is not there. And so so I was like in a recovered anxious attachment style. So there's three major attachment styles, a lot of subcategories. But for, you know, obviously for the simplicity, uh, we'll just like stick with the main three. And so the first one is the anxious attachment style. And the anxious attachment style is really created by a mom being um, being irregular with her response to the baby. So sometimes she fed the baby and sometimes she didn't. And so for the baby, it becomes a gamble, right? So now baby lives in anticipation and I don't know when mom's going to feed me again, right? So actually their anxiety is going to grow. And guess what that translates to into romantic relationships? Is he going to call me? Is he not going to call me, right? And then because our system can't handle that, that after a while we're like, we're already assuming because that's the other piece that the anxious wants to do. It wants to create a lot of certainty, as much certainty as it can, because it can't be in that uncertainty, because that was that devastating experience as a baby, right? Not knowing, am I going to get food today? Am I going to survive? Because that's how far the baby went. It's totally dependent on the caregiver. So with a woman with an anxious attachment style, she's probably already aware of it. She attracts men who are who are moving away from her, who are um, not responding to her in a regular way. Well, I kind of talking to her and then um, I just have a client right now and 19 days later, text her back. Right. And I said, you know, ignore. it's not even worth responding. I mean, wow. it's, you know, um, 
And in the other piece too is to really pay attention to don't live so much in anticipation and really just enjoy the date as it is. Don't think how the second date is going to go. If your last name is going to sound good after his first name and, and things like that. So that's like a mistake that the anxious makes right now. Now we're going to contrast that with the avoidant. The avoidant is the complete opposite. So what happened to the avoidant? It never got any response from mama. So what that means is like it became really independent and as a matter of fact moved away from intimacy as fast as it can right because basically baby knew and really went through an even more devastating experience than the anxious because the anxious at least got fed here and there right mm. um and also with attention too not just like with food itself but also with attention and love and so anyway so that particular person is when it gets close to intimacy it pulls away And so oftentimes what happens is the anxious and the avoidant meet each other and become each other's worst nightmare because the avoidant is exactly what the anxious is afraid of and vice versa. The anxious is exactly what the avoidant is afraid of because the avoidant doesn't want to feel trapped. And it really feels nervous. It's, it literally feels fear the closer it gets to intimacy. And then, of course, the golden middle is the secure, you know, a mom who like really consistently responded to the baby um, and also filled it up with, with acknowledgement, with love, with affection. So that baby grows up. I'm worthy. I'm worthy to express my desires. My voice needs to be heard, right? My voice means thing, means something, right? My, my uh, emotions have importance and significance. So that's what a secure grows up with. And so the work of the anxious and the avoidance is, to move closer to secure. Now, will they ever completely become secure? Probably not, but they will get much, much closer to a secure where they become more and more aware of the patterns that they're running and they're able to soothe themselves. So, yeah, so the goal of the anxious is to, like, so, for example, when you, a secure, for example, goes on a date And then she comes home and does her thing. Like she's not thinking about it. She's not overanalyzing it. She's, she's able to transition in other areas of her life. The anxious is not able to do that. An anxious comes home after the date and she still thinks about the date. And she calls the friend about the date and she calls everyone about the date and analyzes everything, right? And when does, why does he not text me back? Mm. Um, and the avoidance is, is completely disconnected. Right. The avoidance is like, I need space. I need, I need a week break right now. That was pretty intimate. Yeah. So, um, so I hope so that makes a little bit more clarity. Yeah. What um, category, what camp you're probably in based yeah, on some of the examples that I brought. So Rami just said, this is so helpful. Rami, I'm wondering if you can find yourself in that. Are you anxious or are you an avoidant? Or are you secure? I think for me, I think I'm definitely um, more on the anxious uh, than avoidant for sure. Uh, I would say Brent's more on the avoidant. But I think both of us have definitely um, come much more towards being secure. Yeah. Say, what about you? Anxious to secure? Same, same thing. Yeah. Brody was an avoidant. Which most uh -huh. men, I think. Yeah. It, it depends. So and then also, Tanya, it really depends because... So Brody was a secure, but then he became an avoidant teenagerhood because his mom was like really controlling and probably unconsciously he became a little bit avoidant before he became a teenager, but really consciously want, not wanting to be trapped, wanting to get out of the house as fast as possible. 
and and, and just really having his heart closed, right, until he experienced his first heartbreak um, and realizing, no, that's not what I want. Mm-hmm. I, I want something different, right? So it also depends on when do you experience that that trap feeling. So for as a, so for a male teenager, like he can come avoid because of that. So it's actually not because he didn't get any response from the mom, but it was the opposite. He got just over smothered, right? I mean, just really, even to this day, I mean, this sent his mom love and everything. But in terms of his attachment style for man, and we see that, that you're supposed to actually let go. When they're 12 years old, you're supposed to not cuddle with them anymore because they need to start to grow into um, their healthy sense of masculinity. Mm, so there's a lot, a lot of things his mom was not aware of. Mm. And of course, I'm an anxious based on, you know, what I, of course, shared. Yeah. 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 And that's, I'm, gl- I'm glad you used that example of both because like Rami just posted, yeah, she, she feels like she's both. I think a lot of us can identify with both and how you can move from one to the other. And just based on how you were um, raised from childhood and then teenage years. So thank you. That was, yeah. that was super helpful. Um, yeah, so I'd love for you to share where you're at right now. And, you know, last year, um, such a beautiful commitment ceremony that you guys, you and Brody did. Um, and I, I, I'm sharing this because I think that for those of you who are in relationship, um, to have that annual renewal of your vows, Brett and I also do this, but how you guys did it was so beautiful where we all got together and you read your vows and then you had a circle of your friends go around and share different reflections Um, Mm -hmm. So it was like we were witnessing you guys um, and we just and you made like a fun party out of it. It was so beautiful. Um, And that one of the things that you're stepping into is babies getting pregnant. Uh, Yay! Lots of Disney on ice experiences. (laughs) Right? Like getting more in touch with your inner girl. Um, Yeah. So, you know, and I know that there's some stuff there for you as well. And I just mm-hmm. want you to share, you know, this next edge for you, because I think it would be really helpful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so interesting. You know, there's always the new level of, of learning and, and what we uncover. And I think for me, for the longest time, really, I've I've always had this kind of, okay, if I meet a man who wants babies, I'm going to have babies, but if I need to meet a man who doesn't want babies, okay, fine. I'm not going to have babies because I didn't really learn on a, on a body level, right? Obviously, logically, I see it with my friends, but on a, on a systematic level, I never learned what it means to be mothered, right? And then I, and I, and I told so many of my friends, I don't even know if I know how to be a mom, you know, like I just know to be left alone and be on my own and, and I don't know anything else. And, and I think that was like a huge resistance for me. And then what happened was because I didn't have that childhood, I then provided it for myself, like stepping into that inner girl and now moving from that being like, how can I stay be in, in, our, in my inner girl, but also be a mom too? Because that's definitely a concern that comes up for me. And I feel my inner girl being really terrified because she's like, you're finally, we're finally connected. And now there's going to be a baby. And you know, your husband is going to 
watch the baby. We just talked about babies this morning, like, you know, what he's going to do if the baby keeps crying, how he's going to do all this research. And so I can tell he's like already all energetically over the baby. Right. And uh, and of course, like I hear my girl saying, well, what about me? What about me? And um, I think that's like a big um, piece of work for me now is really uh, to be a mom and to still maintain and have those parts of me balance and have paid attention to so that I can be the best mom because I can actually be a much better caretaker, mom, friend, anything when my inner girl is filled up, right? So I think that's that's a huge um, a huge thing for me. And I definitely feel also like because unconsciously I had all this independence that there is this fear of, I mean, not, I cannot imagine it yet, you know, because I don't, you know, uh, but I watched it with friends, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's going to be so interesting to see, okay, I always have to cater to the baby and what if I need a break? What if I want a break? I'm used to just being able to do that. I'm used to just be able to close the door, go on a walk, go on a trip, send Brody on a trip, whatever. And we're both, we both love our freedom, right? So I think those are two big pieces that are coming up for us. But then at the same time, evolution, but we call it like a play evolving together, right? Uh, playfully evolving. Um, that that's really like at the top of our, of our hierarchy, you know? So we're like, we're willing to go into that unknown and, um, you know, take one, you know, one step at a time, right? One, really just one day at a time. Like we don't have to have it all figured out. And um, and it feels good to talk about that because we always have that next level of vulnerability and fear. And, and no matter how much of an expert you are, no matter how happy you are in your relationship, it's uh, I'm excited. You know, I'm excited. I'm nervous. I fear. And, and it feels good to, like, do it anyways, because that's what I tell my clients. It's like, yeah, you're going to feel nervous going out or you feel nervous saying yes to this guy um, or allowing someone in. But you're also going to grow and you're also going to experience this big love. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's like my edge. But, um, you know, I love edges. Like I love growth. My unconscious loves edges. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, yeah. So it's definitely. Um, you know, and, and I think that's why you and I get along so well is because you're, we're both vulnerable and, and willing to go there. And I just think mm -hmm. it goes to show that. And what I found in the work that Brett and I have been doing is the more that we're willing to get vulnerable in our relationship, the closer you become, the more intimacy you create, it, you create the more powerful your relationship becomes. And mm -hmm. yeah, you know, and you are demonstrating that like there's a lot of vulnerability in your relationship and it and it just shows that, you know, you guys have an amazing relationship that a lot of people look up to. Uh, because both of you are so conscious and, and you're constantly working at it. So thank you for being a role model. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, thank you for acknowledging that, Tanya. And I, I see so much the same in you, too. You just really want to acknowledge that, too. And want you to receive that uh, because you're also such a powerful role model as well because you are ahead. You have kids, and I see how... Because all I know is how it is now. It's great and it's all flowers and roses and 
how is it going to be when we have the first baby, right? So that's why I like look at you and see how you balance things. So you're, you're, you're a role model to me too. You know, when I, when I look at that, like, okay, your relationship is going to be fine and it's, there's going to be moments and, but you're going to recover. And yep. um, because remember as an anxious, I'm like in future, I that part of me to feel safe and secure, right? But the last piece I want to say is I think uh, the secret to body in my relationship is that whatever we're afraid of, so my inner girl is afraid of being like left alone, right? So I sent him on a recharge retreat. So I lean into what she is like afraid of because remember separation means I don't know if mommy's going to feed me again, right? Yep. So I need to always be fed. I always need to have my partner with me and for me to do the opposite and say, Go, go do your thing, go to your recharge retreat, go into the woods, whatever you want to do. Um, that's, I think, is, is a big secret to lean into what you're afraid the most, what you're resisting the most, and empower your partner to do the same. And guess what? Your partner will do that for you in turn as well. And that's the nice surprise. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And I would say that's the key. When you have kids that you continue to take time for yourself and you continue to take time as a partnership, um, as a couple, and you'll be good. You built such a beautiful foundation. You're, you're going to, it's going to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. We're together for almost five years now. So I'm thinking, you know what? Some people are together for like a year and they're just making it work. You know, we're like, okay, we have a lot of knowledge about each other. Um, and to, to have like an understanding, you know, and to, to work with each other. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. So if uh, the ladies today are interested in getting in touch with you, um, I don't know if you have a, a link that you want to give us or a resource. Yeah. So if you're, if you really feel that's a lean in for you and you're resonating what we shared here in the last about 30 minutes, I invite you to come on a, magnetize them and clarity call with me where we get crystal clear what what your blind spots are look i didn't know mine you don't know yours we don't know what we don't know and really creating a structure that works for you because like i said before you're not going to completely recover but you're going to work yourself towards a more secure part of you that you attract a man who's equally worked himself to that part as well you always attract your mirror. So for that, hop on over to magnetizetheman.com and grab your slots as long as they last. I will say that as long as they last. And I will post that link as well, magnetizetheman.com. Perfect. Easy. Uh, one of the things that Antia does with Brody is they critique the dating shows and some hilarious some hilarious stuff. So if you want to follow her on Facebook yeah. and you can watch their critiques of the dating shows, it's, it's, it's pretty great using exactly what you're just talking about. The, the, the attachment style. So, yeah. Um, thank you so much Antia for being here and sharing your joy and sharing your vulnerability and your wisdom today. <laughs> so appreciate you sister. Thank you. I appreciate you too, Tanya. It's always such a magical space and fields um, that I feel when we come together. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, everyone. And tune in next time.